Now, if your memory is good, you can think back about uh, six months ago, and we had a series of sermons on Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. And we looked at the Beatitudes, blessed is whatever, and then we looked about being salt and light, and how Jesus has come to fulfill the law rather than abolish it. And he illustrated that with some incredibly radical teaching on things like lust and divorce, taking vows, not seeking retaliation, loving your enemies. Very challenging stuff. But Jesus didn't stop at chapter 5. He went on into chapter 6, which is where we pick it up this evening. And here he's going to be talking about what the Jews called the pillars of religious life, the acts of righteousness, as they called them. And the three key ones that the Jews had at the time, these acts of righteousness, were almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. And tonight, we're going to be looking at the almsgiving and the motivation behind it. And it's very much the focus on motivation that I'm going to look at this evening. Um, so I'm now going to get Margaret to come up and read the passage, both from the NIV, the New England International Version, and then she's going to read it from the message, which I think you'll find is quite illuminating. So hopefully, we will now have it up on the screen. So firstly from the NIV, if you want to follow, it's Matthew 6, beginning at the first verse. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And then from the message. Be especially careful when you are trying, so that you don't make a performance. It might be for theatre, but the God who made all things. When you do something for someone else, don't call attention to yourself. You've seen them in action, I'm sure, play actors, I call them, treating prayer meetings and street corner alike as a stage, acting compassionate as long as someone is watching, playing to the crowds. They get applause, true, but that's all they get. When you help someone out, don't think about how it looks. Just do it, quietly and unobtrusively. That is the way your God, who conceived you in love, working behind the scenes, helps you out. This is the word of the Lord. Sorry, I, I missed off the last bit of the, uh, the message. I think you'll agree with me. That uh, message translation is, is, uh, is very good. And I hope that brought out very much the fact that this passage is really about getting our motives right, particularly in the context this evening of motives for giving. It also brings out the danger of hypocrisy, which is something I think I'm, like many of you, an expert at. We'll also note a little later on that Jesus talks about rewards, and I'm just going to explore a little about what he means by that. 
So what about this whole concept of getting our motives right and hypocrisy? Well, the word for hypocrisy, and I'm no good at Greek, but apparently it's hypocrites, from which we get the word hypocrite. But actually it's very much play-acting, or acting, that that's in the Greek. And here, Jesus is having a, another very obvious dig at the Pharisees, who really liked to be seen to be doing the right thing. They liked to be seeing to do their acts of righteousness, whether that was giving to the poor, praying in public on the street corners, raising their hands and making a big show of it, or fasting, where they went around looking solemn, and I'm obviously fasting. In fact, they often dressed to show off how wonderful they were. And this passage, you may recall from Matthew 23, 5 to 7, everything is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honour at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. It's all about their status. They wanted to be admired by others. They wanted the prestige rather than being motivated by a desire to please God. It was very much talking the talk without walking the walk. In Matthew 23, Jesus talks about them not practicing what they preach. And in fact, Matthew 23, if we had time to look at it, is a wonderful dig at the Pharisees at length on their hypocrisy. It goes on and on about it. And uh, you may recall he calls them things like whitewashed tombs and snakes and broods of vipers. So hypocrisy was something the Pharisees were good at. But the challenge for us tonight for me to think about our motivation is, are we any better? Are we hypocrites when we really dig down deep? Are we getting our motives right for what to do, how we do things? How much of our Christian lives is to look good rather than to be yeah, giving glory to God? How much is the result of true inner transformation where we seek to glorify God rather than ourselves? And that's not easy. One of my real heroes in, in the New Testament is John the Baptist, because you remember, he had that incredible job of um, introducing Jesus, as it were, proclaiming the key to happen. He was heralding Jesus' arrival. But when Jesus came on the scene, he was happy. Well, happy, I don't know, but he was willing to take the back seat. And John 3.30 puts it this way, when John says, he must become greater, I must become less. It's a very good motto for all of us in our Christian lives. We want Jesus to become the greater part of our lives and ourselves less. But it's not easy to do, is it? We're going to look at that uh, this evening in this context of giving particularly. And for Jews, almsgiving was seen as the greatest act of righteousness. And the word that they used for this almsgiving, these acts of righteousness, was said, I've got to get the pronunciation right, sedekar apparently. Um, and there was a rabbinic saying that put it this way, greater is he who gives alms 
than he who offers all sacrifices. It was central to their thinking. In fact, they still use the word, uh, the Jewish community today, for their philanthropic meaning. Now, the true rabbinic, rabbinic teaching at the time was that this giving should be done in secret. And in fact, in the temple, there was a special chamber of the silent where you could give unostentatiously. But sadly, this was not how many people chose to give. And in the synagogues, people would make a great show of giving, again, to be seen, to be generous. It wasn't giving to be thankful to God, to give glory to God, but look at me, I'm so generous. And this is what Jesus is warning us about, not pointing to ourselves and saying how great we are, but an act of thanks and bringing glory to God in our giving. How does this speak into our own culture, I wonder? Um, what do you make of celebrities who go around, they have great charitable foundations, and I, I, these, there's nothing special about these, I just picked them off the web, but it's very much part of our culture, isn't it? Celebrities um, encouraging us in charitable giving. Think of things like uh, Red Nose Day, comic relief, sports relief or whatever, all these things. There are these famous characters promoting giving and at the side perhaps indicating that they're quite generous too. It's interesting how often too when you are encouraged, you get a circular in the post from maybe to your old school, your old university or whatever, encouraging you to give. And there's always the opportunity to have your name listed at the end of the annual whatever with how much you give. And they rank them in order, you know. So I, I confess I'd be right to look to see who's given. I, I was interested to read. Um, I'm going to have to move this screen. This Forbes year-end charity report um, where they, you may realise this or not, that Forbes gives a list of the... Of the great celebrities and so on, and rich people, and how much they give each year. This is the comment made. Encouragement by example is the main reason we compile this list, said Mark Pollock, president and founder of the Giving Back Fund. One cannot help but be influenced by the generosity of his or her peers. Pollock continued, we are often asked by the media and the public about which celebrities actually give the largest donations to charitable causes. So we decided it made sense to publish the research for all to see. There's that sense of um, people liking it to be known how much they're giving, and are we any different? Now I hope you'll say, yes, of course we are. But then let me give you an example. What happens with Just Giving? You know, you, you, somebody says, will you sponsor me for something? And you go on the Just Giving page, and you the opportunity to be anonymous, to declare how much you're giving or not. Now, do you put your name in because you want to encourage the person that you're giving and don't put the amount, but then they won't know how generous I'm being? Or do you put in anonymous and put in the amount? They'll know I'm being generous, but they won't know who I am. And I'm not saying there's the right answer, but I think it's a challenge here for all of us about our motiv motivation. And if we're honest, we all do quite like to know, uh, people to know that what we're giving. So, as I say, I'm not really giving you an answer to this. I'm just saying, think about it. Ask yourself the question, what would Jesus do in that situation? It's very tempting to want people to see our generosity. Just 
bear that in mind. And even dropping it into conversations. Have you ever done that? Oh, well, actually, I do. <laughs> and then you suddenly think afterwards, why did I say that? Maybe you're not like me, but it does happen. Now, I think that the clear thing that Jesus is talking about is what are our motivations? And so when we ask that question of ourselves, it's very easy then to find excuses for dropping things in. So what about this? Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You think, ah, there you are. If, if I don't say I'm being generous, they won't know. They, they won't be able to glorify my Father in heaven. And that could be said about anything. If they don't see I'm doing my charitable acts, going down to the wild goose or giving someone some money on the street corner or whatever. You could always say, well, you know, I need to be known as a Christian for doing it. But it's very easy to use that as an inappropriate excuse to point to ourselves rather than to God. And you see, what all this is about is what is our motivation? Is it to be seen to be doing it? Or is it, as it says here, to glorify your Father in heaven? And that's what our motivation should be. And therefore, there's no need to make a show of it for others. We just do it. And it's up to others to see God being glorified. You know, the um, first question in the Westminster Confession, um, which is very much a, a statement, you, you're asked questions, what is the chief um, purpose of man, and that, or chief end? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The motivation should be glorifying God, not ourselves. Notice that enjoy him forever, because we're going to come back to that when we look at rewards. So what I'm saying here is that our generosity should be a reflection of our lives that are transformed by Christ, by his Holy Spirit, that makes us wish to give glory to God and not to ourselves. It is only as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives that that motivation will come from within us that will focus what we do on God rather than ourselves. But how do we do this? What, what, what is the mechanism to allow our motivation to come from within, from an inner transformation? And I suppose at the end of the day, it's that same well-worn record it is spending time with God in prayer, in reading the Bible, in meditation. We've looked at solitude and silence. These are all part of focusing on God each day, during the day, so that he by true motivation. We are innerly, innerly transformed. And as we're transformed within, so our actions will be directed towards God and not ourselves. It will be our desire to glorify him and we'll resist the temptation of pointing to ourselves. But I think there's another aspect of motivation that helps us to do that, and that's the whole concept of being thankful to God for all that he's done. We give because we are thankful for all that God has done for us. God is more generous than we deserve. Well, we deserve nothing, in fact. He's shown his wonderful generosity in bringing to the world and die for us on the cross. We want to express all that we do as an act of thanksgiving for all that he's done for us. Paul um, 
puts it this way when he's talking to the Corinthians about giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. We are experiencing unending generosity from God. That is the reason that we want to give back, because of all that he has done. Christ became poor for us, that through his poverty we might become rich. So we want to give back to God to bring glory to him. And it's interesting, I often feel we don't link the Old Testament and New Testament enough sometimes. But if you look right back to what David said, um, in, when he was um, uh, presenting, or people were presenting gifts for the building of God's temple, there's this wonderful prayer that we get when David um, was thanking God and giving gifts to God. And this is it. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our fathers, Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of your hands of strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise. Praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Our motivation, thanksgiving and bringing glory to God. That is what it's all about. That is what should motivate us. But it will only come from that inner transformation. But let's just go back to that other thing that Jesus talks about, the reward. And it comes up three times in this passage. You'll see it here. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And then if you look on to the verse 4 bit, or verse 3, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I think we find the idea of rewards quite a difficult one. And yet Matthew actually mentions, or Jesus is, uh, mentions in Matthew's Gospel, rewards 12 times. Once in Mark and twice in Luke. Rewards is there. So what is that reward talking about? And the first thing we must say is, of course, it's not that by our works we receive our salvation. Scripture again and again stresses the fact that we cannot earn salvation. So that can't be the, the reward that Jesus is talking about. If we could earn our salvation, if that reward was because of what we did, then Christ's death would have been in vain. No, that's not what Jesus means by reward here. It's not our salvation. But of course, good works are a way of expressing our gratitude for what God has done. So we don't ignore the good works. It's a way of us saying thank you to God. But it isn't earning that reward. So what then is the reward 
that Jesus is talking about. Now, uh, William Barclay suggests three things. I think they're quite helpful. First, he says, one of the big rewards is the satisfaction of knowing that by what we are doing, we are pleasing God. It's, it's a bit like the satisfaction you get from a job well done in, in life. If you're an artist, I look at Steve here, when you get, you've got that picture and you think, yeah, that's really satisfying. I, I've got something here I like. I do this in my science, an experiment that gives good results. There's a sense of, of real satisfaction. In any area of life, there is this reward when we do a good job. There's that sense of satisfaction. And it's very different in, in the Christian life because, of course, what are we doing there? Well, it's incredibly satisfying because we are in that situation of introducing people to Jesus. We're in, able to bring hope in areas of darkness. We're able to provide help for those in need. These are incredibly important and valuable ways. And they bring the satisfaction that we're doing God's work. We're glorifying God in doing them, not as we seem pointing to ourselves. But there is the reward of knowing that we're pleasing God. And I think that's a very important aspect of what we're doing. And of course, trust with the temporary satisfaction of somebody saying, oh, well done, that sort of reward. This is a reward that lasts because what you have done has eternal value. And then secondly, there's the satisfaction of knowing that God always has more for us to do. You might think that's a bit strange, but think of the parable of the talents, where the person who had 10 talents and used them wisely would say, well, I'll invest more in you because you know how to handle what I've given you. And as we work for God, the extraordinary thing is, not only are we satisfied with what we've got, but God gives us some more to do. And as we get older, what more we do may change. So we may not be able to go out there and do the youth work as we used to, perhaps. But we can be praying, we can be visiting people, or in many ways, but there's always a job to be done. So one of the rewards is to keep serving God. It may seem counterintuitive, but I believe that's the case. And then finally, of course, there is the ultimate reward. We don't earn it, but we know it is there. That in Christ we have that eternal hope when we leave the constraints of this earthly life and come fully into God's presence for eternity. So there are rewards. So when we go back to that Westminster Confession, that little bit, and enjoy him forever, that is the reward that Jesus is talking about. So, to conclude, I guess my hope and prayer for myself and for all of us this week is that we're challenged and encouraged in our Christian discipleship. Here are the challenges. We need to check out what motivates us. Are we motivated by a desire to bring glory to God rather than ourselves? We may need occasionally to check ourselves and say, hang on, why did I say that? Why did I do that? And we need to recognise and avoid the danger of our faith being more play-acting than the outworking of a deep relationship with God that transforms us from within. These are things that are challenges. They need working at. But there is that encouragement when our motives are right, 
what we do will not only bring glory to God, but will also be hugely rewarding for us. I want this just to be quiet for a moment, and then I'm going to close with a very famous prayer, the prayer of uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola. He founded the religious order of the Society of Jesus, or the Jesuits, in the 16th century. So let's just be quiet, and then I'll close with this prayer, which is on the screen. Teach me to be generous. Teach me to serve you as you deserve. To give and not to count the cost. To fight and not to heed the wounds. To toil and not to seek for rest. To labour and not to ask for reward. Except to know that I am doing your will. Amen.